Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. Well, Jim Nance, thank you for the introduction there. Very nice of you to do that, and we will get to this episode for this week. We've got Lisa Cornwell from the Golf Channel. She is quite a story. Think about it. She's been there since 2014, so it's about seven years at the Golf Channel. She's so much more than just a face we see on TV, whether she's at the anchor desk for Golf Central, whether we see her at women's championships, majors like we would see this week at the women's PGA, KPMG, at Aronimic. So much more to what she's done. When she started in the business, she was making 18000 a year in Columbus, Mississippi at a local affiliate there. She had to edit, write her own stuff, camera, shoot, everything. She had to learn the business. So I want us to really understand a little bit more about her story and the, the pays or the dues she's had to pay over the years here. So really... Really good to hear more about her and just kind of her enthusiasm for the game. Of course, she loves the women's game, and there's such an expertise about covering women's golf. And and we'll hear kind of like what were some of the aha moments for her when she realized, wow, she made it. And she talks about the ANA inspiration, that event particularly being a big one for her. So hope you really get some perspective on Lisa here and, and really what makes her tick, what she loves so much about this game. And what kind of drives her. And we hear so many good stories. Of course, she played junior golf with Tiger Woods. We're going to get into some of those stories. President Clinton, of course, is her cousin. So we have some fun stories on the course Christmas Day with President Clinton while he was uh, getting ready to get into office. So really enjoyable stuff here. I think you're going to like it. Let's get to Lisa Cornwell from the Golf Channel. All right, this week we have Lisa Cornwell from the Golf Channel joining me here on Beyond the Clubhouse. And of course, look at her her playing career. She was a four-time Arkansas Women's State Amateur Champion, three-time All-American Junior Golfer, played junior golf with Tiger Woods, AG, AJGA events. Uh, really some, some great memories for you, Lisa. How's it going this morning? How are you? Yeah, it's great. It's great to be with you. Um, you know, going over those those my past bio that seems like a lifetime ago literally um but yeah it's like I'm in I'm in Philadelphia for a women's major and at one of the classic courses which I'm sure we'll talk about but it's always a treat so I'm glad to be able to spend some time with you Garrett yeah great great visiting and you mentioned of course the KPMG women's PGA championship this week I want to get an idea you cover women's golf so extensively you're so passionate about it Lisa as you look at the narrative and a couple, maybe two or three names that really come to mind this week, who are you expecting to maybe get this major championship title? Well, it's tough. I think um, my answer might have been a little bit different before I got on property, but I actually got out there. This golf course, it's it's long on the card. I think it's, it's 67, no, 6570, so just under 6,600 yards, but it's a par 70, only two par fives, and the golf course is really soft right now, so all the players are saying that it's playing much longer than, than the card 
uh, says it is obviously than the number because of that softness. So, you know, the rough is tough. It's that sticky grass up here in the north that I call it the sticky grass. And that's not a technical term, but you know, you have to go with some of these longer high ball hitters. Um, I watched Lexi play a little bit yesterday. She looks like she's hitting it well. Nellie Corda, of course, is in great form. And then you have, I think, who should be the favorite is Brooke Henderson. Um, you know, if you look at her performances in this championship specifically, she has the best cumulative score to par the last five years. She's a longer hitter. Um, great temperament. She always seems to contend. Oh, and by the way, she does have a win and everything the last five years inside the top six, except for last year when she was T30. So there's something about this championship that brings out the best in Brooke Henderson. Definitely. She's such a popular player too. And it's great to visit with her too. She's always yeah. so engaging, an awesome interview. I want to get to a Twitter question related to this, to this women's PGA championship. Mike Rockenstein on Twitter wanted to ask you specifically, you mentioned her already, Lexi Thompson. What do you expect from her in terms of getting to an, another major? When, 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 when might you expect that? Sunday, <laughs> you know, every time Lexi tees it up, I expect her to win. It's, it's so impressive to watch her. And this is a young woman who has been through a lot um, on and off the golf course. She's had a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations, but when it all comes down to it, she's one of the most talented players that the women's game's ever seen. And just watching her ball striking ability, you know, when she's rolling the ball well on the greens, Lexi's usually on the front page of the leaderboard and you know a lot's been said about that you know a lot of a lot of players battle that they're great ball strikers and I'm sure we'll get into it look at Sergio I mean one of the greatest players the last two decades and has battled the putter and Lexi it's just it's her thing but I tell you what she doesn't she doesn't battle ball striking it's it's a thing of beauty and and when the stroke is confident she plays well these are faster greens so I would expect her stroke to be a little bit smoother, not quite as flinchy. I think that that helps a putter like Lexi. So I expect her to be in contention on Sunday. Yes. One heck of a player. I, I really like, I've even seen her at the Williamsburg event, the Kingsmill championship, and she's just great. She has her mom out there and she was defending champion of the year. I was there. So it was 2018. And it, it, she is very approachable. I think that, um, you see a superstar like that. I think a lot of the fans at home may not really understand what they're like behind the scenes. She's so down home, down, just easy to, easy to yeah. get along with. Been my experience. At 100%. And everybody would say that. I don't think anybody would have a mean thing to say about Lexi Thompson. I would like to find that one person. I mean, she gives her shoes away to kids. She stops and sign autographs. You know, that horrible thing that happened to her with the rules infraction at ANA three years ago. And what did she do after it? she went over to the autograph session and signed autographs for 30 or 40 minutes. And to me that, that says more about a person than, you know, how well she can stop an eight iron from 160 downwind. Uh, it's just, she has all the tools to be a superstar and that's why she is one. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that particular event because you as an interviewer, an anchor reporter on, on Golf Channel, you were the one to interview her in that in that moment. And so I'm curious, what was that like in terms of how you were able to to balance kind of asking the right questions on the spot there? Well, it's like any time, you know, you, you interview somebody, you have to ask what's relevant. Um, 
and you also, I mean, my biggest job, I think, is just to give the player a platform to speak, right? Really just sort of tee them up, but tee them up in a way that isn't just throwing them a softball, but just throwing them the facts and letting them, you know, tell you what happened or what's going through their head. It's hard. It's hard, you know, it's hard interviewing people who have, who have lost or have tripled the last to miss the cut or, you know, I mean, they're all sorts, you've been around it. You understand it's, but it's part of it. And that's why, that's why they're professionals. That's why they do what they do. And as heartbreaking as it is, most of them will step up to the microphone. And, and I respect that. I respect players who, who don't dodge it. And, and I would say for the most part, most of these players on the PGA and LPGA tours that I cover uh, do that. Yes. Well, you did mention Sergio Garcia a little earlier. One of my favorite all-time players. I love his charisma. His He's so animated in a way that yeah. there's so much personality on tour, but there's not so much of the animated side that we see with Sergio. And you had the interview, of course, you had interviewed Brooks Kepka in the past. You've interviewed Steph Curry, so many big names. Um, the Solheim Cup 2019, some big interviews for you there. What was it like with Sergio? Because you did say, you tweeted about it, you got emotional um, for the first time in an interview. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a crisis going on around the world with, with COVID. I wasn't expecting him to reveal that, um, that, this, that that win was for his two uncles who had passed away and his dad was having a really hard time. Um, they passed away from complications from COVID-19. And it just, it threw me off guard. And, and then I could, and it didn't really, I went back and watched it because I wanted to see if you could really see the emotion from him. And, and you could a little bit, but being six or seven feet away from him. I mean, he had huge tears in his eyes and I don't know what human being couldn't help feel for that person. I mean, Sergio has a big heart. Um, sorry, I got to call him. Sergio has a big heart. Um, he, he does wear his emotions on his sleeves, which I like. I mean, it's the typical Spanish golfer, right? And they're fiery. John Rahm, Seve. I mean, I always played with a little fire, so I guess that I like it. I don't think that we see enough of it. Um, he contains it, but, you know, he's had his own struggles. And it was his first PGA Tour win since the Masters and first PGA Tour win since giving birth to his daughters. And, you know, he talked about that. And he was he gave us time, and he was real and open and honest. And it, it, was, it was a moment that I was not expecting, I'll tell you that. And it was true. I've never teared up in an interview, but that one brought tears to my eyes. Oh, how could it not? No, it was it was very genuine. Obviously, Sergio had been through so much to get there. You, you, we know how much he wants to win on tour, but three and a half years on the PGA Tour, at least, uh, such a long time. You mentioned your own golf game, and I do want to get into this. Um, junior golf, of course, you played with Tiger Woods. Earl Woods coached you a little bit during that time <laughs> as well. So what were the interactions like? You know, what's a favorite story with Tiger in those younger days? Oh man, I have so many. Um, and I, I'll say this, and I've always said this about Tiger, that I remember Tiger more the person than the golfer when we were kids. He was just, he was such a good kid. He was such a good friend. And, you know, we would give each other a hard time. And I don't know, for some reason, we would both sometimes get in late on practice rounds. I'm sure him flying from California and my dad would usually travel with me and have to work. But we would play a lot of practice rounds together, even the boys even though the boys and girls didn't play a lot of competitive golf together. But, you know, we just hit it off, and I loved Colonel Woods. Um, 
my favorite tiger story it's funny because he and i were laughing about it last year in the bahamas um we were in the woodlands and we we had just played a practice round and we were on the range and we were really the only two people there and i felt something on my back after i hit a shot and i looked back and colonel woods was about 15 feet from me and he and that was it so i knew something unless something oddly fell from the sky which couldn't have happened so then i hit another shot and i felt it again and i turned back around and colonel woods was just staring at me and i said tiger i think your dad's throwing pine cones at me and he was like oh yeah he doesn't like the way you're practicing <laughs> and so then colonel woods came up there he was frustrated because i was hitting balls so fast and i wasn't thinking through the process and so he was trying to get me to slow down and really focus on each shot and have a purpose. That was his deal. You need to have a purpose for each shot. So obviously Tiger listened to his dad and I should have listened a little bit more <laughs> because look at where Tiger is and look at where I am. Uh, well, of course, I mean, Tiger, <laughs> that cool. such, 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 a, such a player that he's become. And I do want to mention to our audience that there is such a strong trust between you and Tiger. I remember I covered Bay Hill in 2018, and I remember that was a good chance for him to win a PGA Tour event. As he walked yeah. off that 18th hole and he went down to the parking lot, he gave you a big bear hug. There's a real strong trust between you guys. And I know in the past you said, Lisa, that uh, he loves to dish it out. You know, when you guys are on the golf course, he loves to dish it out. What's an example of that? What's a story that comes to your mind with, with Tiger dishing it out with you? Oh, I mean, how much time do you have? It's just, it's constant. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I recently showed him a swing. I don't know. It was six months. Maybe it was in the Bahamas as well. And he looked at it and he was like, why are you still playing? <laughs> I mean, but he was just giving me a hard time, you know, and then tried to give me a lesson. But I mean, it, it's constant, you know, I was standing somewhere at Torrey Pines and he's playing farmers and I try to stay off to the side. And I, you know, we are good friends away from the camera. Obviously when we're on camera, I don't want to showcase it as much just out of respect for him. I, I mean, he doesn't care, but I just, you know, um, but he was walking, he had gone to the, to the restroom. <laughs> he was walking from the restroom to the tea and I didn't know that he was coming there. And as he was speeding by, he said a few words kind of digging at me, which was kind of funny. I won't say what it was, but I, I got him back. I got him back. I don't, you know, he's a big shot, but I try to knock him down a notch or two. <laughs> yeah. Well, how happy were you? Obviously here he has been defending champion for a year and a half. How happy were you to see him win the masters in 2019 as a father, the emotion with his kids, how, how, how fulfilling was it for you to see that? It, made me tear up. I mean, even you saying that it still almost does just because he's look and he'll admit it. A lot of it was self-imposed, but he's been through hell and back. He did it publicly and he owned it and he's a better person now because of it. And he is back to the Tiger Woods who I knew as a kid and I've, I've never seen him happier. So it's not just winning. I mean, it is winning because I know how badly he wanted it. Um, and it was great to see his kids. I think what choked me up was when he gave his mom that big hug because she's been with him through all of it. And uh, what a moment, you know, I hope that he isn't finished, but the most important thing is that he's healthy, he's loving life and he has earned the spot that he's in 
on and off the golf course. Yes, he has for sure. We think of Tiger Woods. I, I think of you and maybe some of the other friendships that really stand out. I love the lasting friendships from golf. There's no other sport yeah. that can that can give it the shared passion of golf. So, what else stands out to you? Uh, friendships that have come about from this game. Oh, I mean, it, you could go on and on. I mean, most of them are just the really personal friendships from you know people you're you played with growing up or you know, your friends who you played with back at home. And when you still, you know, I still go home to the course where I grew up playing. And sometimes I'll see one of those people out there and we'll go play nine holes and there's nothing better. I mean, you feel like a kid again. So you're right. I mean, there are 1 million stories that you could tell because of this game. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I mean, it's just, it's been the most important part of my life. It continues to be a huge part of my life because of work, but you know, it's, it's where a lot of my friendships exist too. So it's uh, everything about, <laughs> I think what I do in some way or, or another is related to golf, which is uh, maybe I need some other, I don't know, <laughs> habits, but I don't want one. I love it. Oh, but you got plenty of others. You got, you, you love your, your scotch, you love uh, college <laughs> sports, your Razorback started up yeah. again, end of September. I mean, come on, you've got other sports. Yeah, and look, we got a first SEC win in three years. So, you know, I'm, I can proudly wear my Arkansas gear. Everybody gives me a hard time about it, but I keep wearing it. It's okay. I work with a lot of Alabama people, and, you know, I have developed thick skin because of it. Mm -hmm. Well, we mentioned Arkansas. I, I, I hearken back. I look back to your early days. You had really mm -hmm. looked at different careers, and then in your late 20s, you decided, you know what, I'm going to get into sports television, and you went to Columbus Mississippi and for $18,000 a year, yeah. you know, just un unbelievable to, to, to go through that decision. We see you on golf channel, of course, and we see the smiling face now like this audience, the golf audience, but what was a day like for you at that, at th those old jobs? It was hard. I mean, and, and I had a lot to learn. I was so green. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, yeah, I'm making $18,000. I'll never forget. I had to borrow $10,000 from my cousin just because I found an apartment that I wanted, but I didn't think I was going to be able to pay bills. And so um, she loaned me $10,000 so I can start this crazy my, uh, career. My parents thought I was nuts. So did my sister, but you know, it worked out well. As far as the days, I mean, I'm so glad that I worked in Columbus. Not only was it a great sports town. I mean, we were within proximity of Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama. So I got to cover all of them on a regular basis. And, but it was, I mean, it was high school sports were big where, where I was. And so it wasn't just being on camera. I mean, the most important stuff was shooting, editing, having to do all that stuff, you know, on a deadline. And, the difficulty of that and learning it without really having time or somebody there, you just had to learn it and you learned by really messing up. And there were a lot of, I'm glad that I don't have a lot of those shows because it was rough in the beginning, but you know, because of that, I appreciate everybody I work with from our camera people to audio to runners. I mean, you know, we're so lucky, but we work well as a team and uh, we have so many great people out here and, I think that that's what I appreciate working live tournaments the most is just that camaraderie out here and all the people it takes to pull it off. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask, was there a moment where you really felt confirmation in your career? Cause I know for me, I've been writing about golf for 10 years and then five years in 
St. Andrews 2015, one of my mentors, Shane O'Donohue, pulled me aside there by the old course, the old clubhouse. And he said, wow, you're the hard, hardest working guy from Sacramento, California. I, I see it. And that was really good affirmation for me, confirmation that I was doing what I loved. Was there a moment with you? I know you played with Charles Barkley, you know, with your golf channel starting in 2014. You, you, you've been on some amazing stages. Was there a moment where you pinch yourself and realize, wow, this was what a decision this was? Yeah, I think probably the first time that I covered the A&A inspiration. I mean, I grew up watching that, watching Nancy Lopez and Patty Sheehan and Pat Bradley and all these legends jump into Poppy's Pond. And the first time I was out there was really my wow moment. Like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I never thought that I would be doing this. And, you know, I had a period of time where I didn't really like golf anymore. And so even when I was working in Cincinnati at a local affiliate or the Big Ten Network, I never had this huge desire to work at Golf Channel just because I was so sick of the game. And then I you know, I had a group of friends that I started playing golf with in Little Rock again, and that love came back. And once that happened, that's when the Golf Channel thing happened, pursuing that. And, but yeah, I mean, being out at a and I'll, I'll never forget that first moment walking across that bridge. And it's probably one of the most special moments in my career, just because, you know, you never have another first time. That was the first time. And for a little girl who idolized jumping into poppies palm myself and never had that opportunity but to still be able to do it in this capacity was pretty cool yes i, I definitely agree because being at st andrews you know wearing my my north barrack uh shirt now but being at st andrews like i knew I, i'm never going to be able to play it but yeah. th there's a specialness to realizing finding your place in the game regardless mm -hmm. even if you're not playing it i Totally, totally get that. You mentioned the ANA Inspiration, that awesome event in Rancho Mirage, California. You had covered it, of course, earlier this year, and you had a great observation in your tweet about one of the, at the time, it was the leader of the tournament and how she had to pay for another set of clubs. It was, I don't know if it was $1,000 or what the, what the total was, but um, for the women's game, like, what does that say or, or what is your perspective on, on the women's game right now and, and, and how we can get a little more equality? Well, I, I think the purpose in that and look, you know, people have this debate all the time and, and I understand that the purses between the men and women will never be equal. You know, um, I think that there should always be the effort to continue to try that. But as a lot of people will point out, purse, equal purses usually happen with equal viewership or sponsorship. But as long as that gap can continue to get smaller is what I care about. And whether it's giving clubs, I don't, I don't think that every club manufacturer should have to have the same number of LPGA players on staff as a PGA tour. I think it'd be great if they had that initiative to want to do it. But in terms of giving clubs or tour clubs, I mean, I don't think people realize that tour equipment is just a different level than what you go buy off the rack, right? It's, it's formulated for, the best players in the world. And because of that, the quality and perfection and everything that goes into it is just better. And so, yes, I, in terms of, of giving, there are too many, there are too many players on the LPGA tour. MB Park's a great example. Beth Ann Nichols wrote a phenomenal article on how MB Park had to pay for wood. She was number one in the world. She wasn't asking for a deal. She wasn't saying, Hey, give me these woods. And, you know, give me a hundred grand, but 
she would have had to pay for them. So instead of doing that, just out of principle, she got another brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, and that's unfortunate. I don't see how anybody can say that that's right. I would agree with you on that for sure. We did get into uh, changing gears, going back to the friendships of golf. We talked about Tiger. We talked about so many other um, you know, your friends, colleagues. You can go play nine holes when you're back in Fayetteville. Your parents live in Fayetteville, of course. I wanted to ask you about another Arkansas um, person, actually your cousin, former President Bill Clinton. And I know you said in the past that you will go out and play golf with him and sleet in in snow sometimes you almost got hit by lightning once what's a, a story of a time you guys played in in some some pretty crazy weather oh what is it not um i have a million stories uh probably it was christmas day after he had first gotten elected so it was december 25th 1992 and you know, Bill and I had played a lot of golf before that, but obviously everything was different now. I mean, secret service, it was, it was crazy. And I was only what, 18 at the time. And so I didn't know what to expect, but it's, it was sleeting that day, as you'd imagine, Arkansas in, in Christmas and miserable. And thankfully we did not play the whole round. I think we got to the 13th hole and finally he was like, okay, we're done. And we were all so thankful because none of us wanted, I didn't even want to be out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sleeting. We played in sleet. I mean, he loves the game. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're Democrat or Republican or whatever. Anytime you bring up politics, people go crazy. But um, like so many of our presidents, President Bush, uh, both of them, President Obama, they love the game. So um, Bill is no different, certainly. Uh, every time we talk, it's, there's always something to do about Golf Channel or golf. He'll send me text after he's seen it. He sent me an interview or a text after the Sergio interview. So it means a lot. You know, he pays attention. He watches a lot of golf. He probably watches more women's golf than men. It's, uh, he loves it, but it's relatable to him. And so he's trying to learn. Yes. Yeah. Well, what did he say about the Sergio interview? What a cool, what a cool moment for you in your career. But what would he say? He just said, great interview. He said, I've always liked Sergio. Um, we text more about, politics right now when we do golf but that was part of that was part of it understandably a little more on the uh, priority list at the moment <laughs> no he loves it it's a good distraction for him <laughs> I want to know as a competitor I mean a lot of our listeners and these golf fans that want to know about Bill Clinton on the golf course as a competitor what is he wagering with you you know what is the banter like what what, what is he like as a competitor Oh, it's not wagering. He gets more frustrated with himself. And one thing that, you know, Bill's always getting frustrated with is people come out and they're like, oh, he takes mulligans and oh, he does this. And I mean, here's the thing. When Bill Clinton goes to the golf course, I mean, it's usually he's jumped off a plane. He's not going to the range. He just goes out there. So we just go out there and hit shots. You know, it's really, he just goes out there. It's a good practice, you know, if we don't hit, but it's just like me. I mean, it's how I play now because I don't get the chance to practice, but it's always trying to improve, you know, he'll yank one left. Lisa, what did I do? Let's do another one. I mean, it's always constant, just trying to figure it out. Like any other golfer, we're always trying to figure it out. And, you know, just because he's had the political career that he's had, he's not any bit better at figuring the game of golf out than any of us. It's a struggle, but it's fun. It's the hardest game. The, what about the biggest, um, 
like I, I know there's been so, uh, hundreds of rounds. I know probably what 250, maybe 300 rounds you've played with him. But what is it like playing with him? Um, I guess his biggest strength is what I'm getting at. Like I know at one time you said that he was hitting at 310 in the air. Yeah. This is you know when he before yeah. the heart issues. But what, what's his biggest strength on the course? Uh, that, I mean, he used to be a great driver of the golf ball. He would hit a long way, hit it pretty straight. Um, you know, he's a tall man, so uh, he always had good flight on the golf ball. I mean, he used to hit these tall, towering drives. He's like me. He's always struggled with chipping. <laughs> yeah, he used to be, we would have, um, we would have some pretty fun contests, but when he caught one back, yeah, before the heart attack and I caught one, he could, he could get me. And that, that always, you know, I, I kept trying, but it didn't work out. Well, I can get him now though. I got him. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of now, how's your golf game these days? Rusty. That'll play it. I play more in the winter. You know, it's so hot in Orlando in the summer and that's usually when I travel the most, but you know, I keep saying one of these days I'm going to get back out there. I actually go over and chip more. I enjoy it. I just put on my earbuds and go do that. Um, I think that that was one thing that really kept me from taking it to the next level is really having proper technique around the greens. And so I think I can score decently now because my short game's better. I don't, ball striking needs some work, but it's easier just to put in the earbuds and go chip. I enjoy that. Yeah. It's very, something very therapeutic about working on your short game and just being in your own world. Um, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned being so busy in the summer. What is the most rewarding part about what you do, Lisa? I think just getting the building the relationships with the players, um, getting them to number one respect you. That's that's always number one on my list. Um, to be accurate and fair with them, I think that that is is always my priority. And and to ask them questions that really matter, you know, not just Jordan Spieth is a great example. You know, I could tell at Farmers when I asked him about a specific sequence of shots and how it affected the outcome of his round, that sort of changed my relationship with Jordan Spieth in terms of I could tell that he really respected that process of questioning. And so I I try to pay attention. I try to go out to practice rounds and watch players and just let them know that I'm not just sitting back there in the clubhouse, hanging out, you know, but I really get out there and watch them, watch them in practice rounds, watch them play, know their games well, watch them on the range. Um, I think that that's the most rewarding is, is really earning their respect in that regard. Uh, pardon everyone, all li- everyone listeners. Um, Olton Alexander, we've got trash day today. So apologize for all the noise in the background. I do want to get to uh, rapid fire questions for you for a minute. I know you love your okay. scotch. What is, what is your f- go-to favorite scotch? Johnny Walker Black. Why? Um, I don't know. It, it's, um, I tend to like the darker scotches. Um, the Speyside scotches sometimes are a little light for me, but Johnny Walker Black, I think, is a really good hearty mix. I like it because it has some teeth to it. And... I like the little bit of smokiness in it. Yeah, Not too peaty. What about a favorite moment at a distillery? Oh, um, I haven't done that often. So Sam, I'm a rookie when it comes to that. Okay. What about, uh, everybody is 
watches Netflix, Amazon Prime. What's a go-to show for you? Oh, I love Succession. When's it coming out again? They're driving me crazy. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. So I'm just, I mean, I'm on, I can't wait. I'm checking every day, every week. When's it coming out? Have you seen it? I actually haven't seen that one yet. I'm more of an outlander, um, not Age of Empires. Uh, what is the Game of Thrones kind of person? Oh, okay. Okay. You have your earbuds in when you go chipping. So who's a musician or an artist you really enjoy? Oh, I mean, I go, I go back and forth. I mean, I go old school hip hop. I go top 40. I mean, I love it when you can get on Spotify and sort of, sometimes it's hard because they tend to play the same songs in the same genre. And I'm, my libraries are so scattered because I do it like with old school hip hop country. And so they don't just run on a continual basis. So it kind of, kind of depends on, I guess, the mood of the day. What about favorite moment on the golf course, whether it was in your playing days or in your professional life? What comes to mind? Um, probably when I was 14 and I won my first women's state amateur, I was so nervous. I remember I threw up right before I teed off and my dad was there and I had my mentor caddying for me. He's kind of like a grandfather. Coach Broyles came over from Arkansas and watched me play and I somehow held it together enough to win it. And uh, I think, I think it still stands the youngest state champion in Arkansas history. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that one. I, I, even though I threw up before. Uh, well, you go on to win three more after that. What a, what a career and really enjoyed visiting with you, Lisa. I want our listeners to know on Twitter, you can follow her on Lisa Cornwell GC and then on Instagram, Lisa underscore underscore Cornwell because there's so many right I know yeah it's a very popular name <laughs> so definitely give her a follow she's very insightful and and watch this week you, you'll be reporting the whole week at Aronimic what a great course yep. and um I'm heading out there now yeah and enjoyed the visit thanks again for spending some time Lisa thanks a lot Garrett it's awesome well great time there with Lisa I thought she was very relatable very Easy to talk to, as you can tell. It comes across on camera, too. There's a lot of trust that she's built with these players. But I think with with us as an audience, she's built a lot of trust. She engages with so many fans on Twitter. If you're not following her on Twitter, at Lisa Cornwell GC. She literally will answer questions. She is She's really on it. So I, I'm very impressed with that. And, and you're going to be impressed with that, too, as you see on her Twitter feed. Like, no subject. I mean, she gets, she gets into all of it. And it's great. So... Lisa, enjoyed time with her, and I hope you enjoyed it too. I thought there were some fun stories there, of course, about Tiger Woods. Earl Woods, Colonel Earl Woods, as she calls him. Great to hear that. And, uh, of course, he's passed, what, 14 years ago now, right there before the U.S. Open in 2006 at Wingfoot. So good to hear some some stories about that. More insight on Tiger and, and, and the time she spent with him also as a human being, not just as a golfer. She has a really good perspective on him having befriended him as a junior golfer. Who else kind of has that kind of story? What a, what a cool thing for Lisa. So my thanks to her for coming on this week. Any other questions you guys have as we get into future interviews? I know I said Sergio Garcia would be coming on. He's supposed to come on next week with his wife, Angela. So we're going to get to that. But any questions you guys have, 
Feel free on Twitter, of course. I'm at Johnston Garrett. The Beyond the Clubhouse podcast is at Beyond Clubhouse here. We've got Facebook as well. You can interact that way. Garrett Johnston, Beyond the Clubhouse on Facebook as well. And then Instagram, at Garrett Johnston Golf. Let's get to really these questions that help us understand these uh, subjects and these people that we have on, on the pod. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And thanks again for listening to Beyond the Clubhouse. And let's look forward to a good week for the Women's PGA Championship and, of course, Shriners Hospital in Vegas. So have a good week. We'll talk again soon.